The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European Edition. Today, Ligue 1 sees Monaco rally on the road in Paris. Serie A have a Milan derby on the way, and Ronaldo not so much. Spain gets two rail at the top, and in Germany, Gladbach, like so many consumers, stop buying and make summer savings. All those stories, plus what's behind the extraordinary Pogba Brothers blackmail business. We'll have all of that and more in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday the 30th of August and we've got the Euro crew assembled for you to talk about all those things and more, listener. That's uh, James Horncastle for the uninitiated, Alvaro Romeo, Raphael Honigstein and Julian Laurence. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 Mm, lots to talk about. We've got PSG and Bayern dropping points. We've got transfer talk. We've got Milan derby on the way. Top two clashes in Spain and the Bundesliga. We've got the extraordinary... Pogba Brothers business, Pogfather, and that, which we'll be getting onto a bit later on. And of course, all the weekend's games too. Can I get a quick reaction first of all, though, to the story dominating football on this Tuesday morning? Scott Parker fired at Bournemouth. What? Rafa, literally, you just heard this. What's your hottest of takes? I mean, it seems like an overreaction. You, you, surely you can just lose 9 0, and that happens, right? It happens to, to the best of us. <laughs> um, feel sorry for him. Wears yeah. really nice clothes. Always looks good in the touchline. But yeah, Bournemouth heading slightly in the wrong direction. I can see why the, the owners would panic. His post-match reaction after the defeat, it sounded like he wanted the sack, to be fair. The way he really? was like, yeah. The way he was talking, I thought. But Ralf Asenoto lost twice 9-0 and still kept exactly. his job. So, you know, it mm-hmm. depends, I guess, different stock for different folks or something like that. That's right. Shock news then on Tuesday morning in the Premier League. Meanwhile, around Europe, what have been your moments of the weekend? James Horncastle. Well, I'm glad you've come to me because I think uh, Julien may have stolen uh, my moment of the week, which is the guy he used to love before he fell in love with Karim Benzema, Olivier Giroud. Giroud <laughs> oh, scoring the goal. goal of the weekend what a goal. Uh, against Bologna, a kind of... Like a swallow scissor kick, I suppose. You know, sort of on the way down, hits it into into the into the bottom corner of the net. Wonderful ball over from Rafa Leao. Um, some beautiful moments in that uh, Milan performance. We saw Charles de Quetelet, their big uh, summer signing, uh, making his uh, starting debut for the club uh, just off Giroud himself. Played a lovely dink over for Pierre Kalulu, who I have no idea why Chelsea are prepared to pay. Uh, what, 70, 80 million for Wesley Fofano when Pierre Calulu is the best young French defender in the world right now. Um, and, and yeah, so the OG, Olivier Giroud. There you go. There you go, Alvaro. My moment of the week has to be Robert Lewandowski scoring a brace for Barcelona. Xavi defined Robert Lewandowski as a blessing in some sort of a religious way. Uh, the truth is that he's giving a lot to Barcelona from the very start. He's stopping the table. And uh, the reason why I single out Robert Lewandowski is because his first goal 
resembles in a way a very famous iconic goal of Johan Cruyff with Barcelona when the ball was sent to the second post and he flied basically over the defense just to put his uh, stats and stamp uh, the goal into the net. So I think that that similarity, um, what, 50 years after what Johan Cruyff did at uh, Santiago Bernabeu, maybe makes Robert Lewandowski worthy of this moment of the week in Spain. Excellent. Rafa. My moment of the week, James, came very early in the second minute of Werder Bremen against Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt took the lead. And who scored? Who scored, James? Mario Götze. Ah, yeah. Mario Götze. His first goal since December 19 in the Bundesliga. Good one as well, from distance. But it's more about the symbolic value, isn't it? You just want him to succeed. I think I'm not alone in hoping that he will recover at least bits of his form and to see him score and see him happy and see him smile and Frankfurt win a good game 4-3 at Werder was just very, very nice. Götze mm. and Frankfurt in Spurs' Champions League group, of course, intriguingly yes. enough, as are Marseille, who may be, Jules, are your moment they, of the weekend. No. It's Montpellier <laughs> scoring seven. Sorry for the Marseille fans. Uh, Montpellier scoring seven goals. Les petits. Les petits. Uh, seven away at Brest. Oui. Incredible. I mean, they were three nil up after 11 minutes and then I think five nil up after half an hour. So, well done to them. Their manager was under pressure. They hadn't started the season well, Montpellier. But now it was pretty impressive. And, and Brest had their new signing, Madi Kamara, on the pitch. So he lost 7-0 that game. His last game for Saint-Étienne before the transfer, he lost 6-0. So I guess the next game he will play for Brest, they should lose 8-0. So he could do like 6, 7 and 8. Magnificent. All right. Lots to talk about then. Let's begin with a bit of City app. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, James Horncastle, Saturday. We were all looking forward and also dreading, probably, Juve Roma, kind of equal measure. But uh, it finished 1 1. One side played some pretty good football. Yeah, Juventus, uh, they're much maligned midfield. Uh, they've been hammered in the week after a 0-0 against Sampdoria. Uh, there was a screen grab that had gone viral on, on Twitter, which kind of seemed to show that there was no midfield uh, at Juventus, that they were playing in this kind of kumbaya sort of circle around Sampdoria. Um, and uh, just as everyone said, oh, Adrian Rabio, Fabio Miretti, what can these guys really do? They put in a fantastic performance. Uh, I thought that uh, Allegri, certainly in the first 45 minutes, um, outthought Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho himself turned to his assistant and said, pray that we get in at halftime at 1-0 because we're being uh, battered here. Um, and I suppose the only thing that Juventus can be angry with themselves about is that they didn't score a second goal. They had a second goal disallowed. It was a goal as beautiful as the first one because Dusan Vlaovic smashed a, uh, a free kick off the bottom of the bar. Wonderful show of skill from, from, from the striker who scored free kicks in the past, but it's not something I suppose many people um, associate him with. Um, and then Locatelli uh, finished off a great uh, team move uh, only for it to be disallowed for a handball earlier in the build-up. So that was very encouraging, particularly when you think that Juventus will sign Leandro Paredes in the last few days of the transfer window. They hope to get Paul Pogba back some stage before the World Cup. 
So, you know, that, that midfield, that has been the problem ever since Pjanic was traded to Barcelona, since they signed Rabiot and Ramsey on free transfers, was, was looking pretty good. But ultimately, they didn't make it stick and they, they drew the game. They didn't make it stick because Tammy Abraham, with his 18th goal for the club, on a great assist from Paolo Dybala. Yeah, we've already touched upon scissor kicks in, <laughs> in this episode in Serie A, and there was another one at the far post from Dybala, bouncing it into the ground so that uh, the tallest Tammy of them all could uh, could nod it past uh, the, the Juventus defence. Juventus could have lost this game on another corner. This is the the superpower of Roma's uh, Roma under Jose Mourinho. They've scored 13 from corners um, since Mourinho took the job. Yeah, he seems to just recruit players on the basis that they're really tall uh, and really physical. And certainly in, in this aspect, it, it, it paid off. But um, credit to Mourinho, he did kind of fix the problems that um, Roma were having in the first half. He switched the system to a 4-2-3-1. Um, he was complaining that he didn't have the depth to kind of make more tactical changes because uh, Zaniolo's injured, Wijnaldum's injured. Um, they've just signed Andrea Bellotti, so Il Gallo will join Ilupi. Um, the cock will be amongst the wolves. Um, but got a point, and that's the first point that Roma have actually got at the Allianz Stadium uh, since it opened. You know, it's been a really tough place for them to go. So in, in that respect, uh, both these teams still unbeaten and, you know, sort of still progressing. Hmm. Roma, one of six teams sharing the lead in City A, just three games in, all level on seven points. Juve, just one point behind them. In fact, the top 13 in City A is all within three points of each other. Lazio are in that group too after their fine victory, and a spectacular one too, on Friday night against Inter. 3-1 was the scoreline. What, what, what do you want to pick out here? Because there was so many delights, James. Is it that SMS pass for Felipe Anderson? <laughs> Is it Luis Alberto's goal? Arriva Pedro Aria Tocco conclusione da fuori goal! E la Lazio trova una gola con Luis Alberto proprio lui. We've had some lovely moments in Serie A this weekend. I mean, we, we've talked about the, the Giroud and Vlaovic goals, but Luis Alberto's to to give uh, Lazio the lead in this game uh, was a fantastic outside the foot swaz uh, fest. Um, Look, Inter and Simone Inzaghi do not like going to, to Lazio. Uh, it feels like it's 2002, May 5th, all over again when they go to the Olimpico. Yeah, they lost their last season. That was their first defeat uh, under Inzaghi um, when they were rattled a little too easily, lost their heads, and by the time they recovered, the game had gone. Um, and it wasn't too similar this time around, um, but... Uh, Inzaghi, uh, his his lineup was criticised because, uh, which makes a change because it's usually his subs uh, that get him flack. But he decided to play Gagliardini instead of Chalanolu um, because Gagliardini is taller, more physical, and he would, uh, in theory, be able to stop Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Um, but no one was stopping Milinkovic, and as you said, he played that lovely ball uh, for Felipe Anderson. And yeah, I think it's a concern for for, for Inter um, that yeah, you look on the balance of play of their their first couple of games against Lecce and, and Spezia. They've created a lot of chances, um, haven't scored as many as they should have. But then there is still these this kind of glass jaw feeling that they have, which we saw last season, which I think cost them the title, certainly in the big games. And now Lukaku's injured. Um, mm. yeah, so Lukaku will be out of the Derby della Madonnina against Milan at the weekend. Um, he had a muscle injury in their uh, training session on Monday. Um, and 
look, I'm, I'm sure they'll still find ways to, to score goals and pose a threat, but um, they wouldn't like to be, you know, they would have preferred to be going into that game um, still unbeaten. I think they'll have a morale-boosting win against Cremonese on Tuesday because there's a midweek round in Serie A before the Derby della Madinina. Um, but still, yeah, I, th- I think the echoes of last season's performances in, in, in the letdowns in big games in the league um, still still very much there for Inter. Mm. That's a massive game coming up. We'll be covering it, actually. You and I, next Saturday on, on BT Sport, the Milan derby, is in to take on a Milan side who are looking silky smooth, as you mentioned, against Bologna with the De Ketelaar very much living up to all the cheap and lazy Kakar comparisons uh, that uh, everyone's been making. Looking forward to that game. Before before that match, we'll have Napoli in action, by the way, on, on Saturday. It's a double header. Will that Napoli game be featuring Ronaldo? <laughs> well, I think what's interesting about this story, James, is that um, Spalletti continues to take questions on it uh, is prepared to give answers. Certainly the story in Italy has been that they're waiting for George Mendes to bring an offer of more than 100 million for Victor Osimhen, Um and and then Ronaldo would come on loan. He would take a, a salary cut of around 25%. But United are, are, are paying what I think Napoli would like for Osimhen for, for Anthony. So, yeah, let's does, see what... Does the Osimhen money have to come from Man United or could it be a... Yes. Could it be a deal to say Chelsea or something? No, I think it it, it would have to come from uh, from from United. Um, you know, I I think it's 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 very tricky to see this happening at this at this late juncture uh, in in the transfer window. Is that good news for Napoli? It not happening. I think it is good news um, because they have a wonderfully fluent team and. Uh, I, I think, you know, as we've seen at Juventus and, and Manchester United, uh, no doubt uh, Cristiano would score uh, lots of goals for Napoli, but the team would play for Cristiano, they wouldn't play for Napoli. Um, and I think this team has a has a good chance to be in the top four again, to maybe com- to get to a, a cup final. Um, it's a really exciting team to watch. Uh, you know, I know it was nil-nil against Fiorentina at the weekend, but it was a quite exciting, uh, fun game. But you know, Spalletti's kind of saying, "Who wouldn't want to coach Cristiano?" Um, you know, I think um, <laughs> it's uh, perhaps not surprising that uh, a lot of managers still believe that um, Cristiano can be uh, the difference between their team winning something and not. Even though, yeah, I suppose the last two years would suggest that he comes into these teams and they decline. James, was there something you wanted to add? Well, Spalletti wanted the final word on Sunday night, um, having been insulted uh, from start to finish uh, in Florence uh, when Fiorentina played Napoli. Um, He's from Tuscany. He used to go and watch Fiorentina as a boy. uh, And the guy behind the the dugout uh, kept sort of, I suppose, shouting variations on your mother is jokes um and he went up and remonstrated with him afterwards um saying the poor woman's 90 um what why are you saying all of this so you know spalletti someone who doesn't shy away from from confrontation um so yeah there we go he had the last word he had the last word and napoli will be taking the field against lazio this saturday evening on galazzo live
as mentioned, Lazio looking in excellent form in their victory over Inter last weekend. And that that game is preceded by the Milan derby, which will be kicking off at five o'clock UK time. So uh, do join us for that. Magnificent stuff, James. Next up, let's find out the latest on the Bundesliga. Mark Chapman and we finally reached the closing week of the summer transfer window. Premier League clubs have spent more than their German, Italian, Spanish and French counterparts combined and they are not done yet. Don't miss any of the twists and turns with myself, David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many more on the Athletic Football Podcast this week as we take you inside the deals that really matter. We're free to listen wherever you get your podcasts and we're ad-free on the Athletic app. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Jetzt die nächste Chance und das Tor. Was für ein Traumtor! Wieder Sven Michel. Das ging jetzt ratzap über die linke Seite, komplett frei. Schalke schwimmt. Schalke hat sich aufgegeben. Raphael Honigstein, big story this weekend in the Bundesliga, Bayern dropping points and perhaps an even bigger story, the fact that they are now level at the top of the table with a certain Union Berlin. Yeah, it is a um, refreshing development, I think, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Union keep going so strong, they beat Schalke 6-1. At Felton's Arena, maybe a little bit too high a result because they got a little bit lucky, but They've been so consistent. Um, Urs Fischer just seems to be building every year on the success that they've had the year before. And it's no longer a surprise, I guess, that they are doing so well. We, we used to laugh on the show about maybe Champions League for New York, etc. But that's where they're heading. And you wouldn't bet against them, James, to get a result in that top table clash that will happen next week at Alta Försterei, where they will take on league leaders Bayern. Uh, a Bayern side who dropped points, as you said, against uh, Gladbach in slightly amusing circumstances, I guess, if you're not a Bayern fan. Uh, they had 35 attempts, 20 of which went on target. That's a new record. But 19 of those 20 were saved by Jan Sommer, which is also a new record in the Bundesliga. He was outstanding. Bayern were very sloppy, I would say, in front of goal. Sadio Mane in particular missed a couple of chances where he really should have buried them. But it made for a great game. I was lucky enough to be near Allianz Arena. And mm. for once, um, it was a close game. And the crowd were really behind Bayern. And uh, there was a bit of uh, needle because Bayern were very unhappy with the refereeing decisions. And Gladbach played really well and, and wound down the clock at every opportunity. It, it felt like a, a proper, proper tussle uh, despite Bayern's dominance. And yeah, it was a... A result, I think, that will encourage uh, the rest of the league. Mm, particularly if Union can follow it up by getting a victory against them next weekend. The 6-1 over Schalke was their biggest ever Bundesliga win, Union. They don't seem to be missing uh, uh, their former top scorer, Taiwo Awoni. No, they're not, James. And what they've done so well is to keep adding interesting players um, every year. And, uh, you know, they have players like Geraldo Becker now, who is just seemingly reaching a new uh, 
a new level um, since the addition of Jordan Sibachu uh, up front. Um, they combine really well. And they've got a very, very strong base, even though they lost one of their most important players, Robert Andrich, um, central midfielder who now plays for Leverkusen. It doesn't seem to have hurt them at all. Um, fantastic coaching, which is, I think, almost overlooked in the, the fairy tale story. And because Urs Fischer is a very sort of unassuming uh, Swiss guy who never really says anything interesting, we perhaps haven't given him as much credit as he deserves for for taking a side with still very modest means into Europa League and mm. possibly even further this time. Yeah, well, Bayern next weekend and then after that they'll have their uh, Europa League debut. They'll be hosting Union Saint-Gilois. Spider-Man memes at the, at the ready as Union <laughs> face Union. Ooh, the other Berlin side continued their rotten start though. Hertha done 1-0 by Dortmund featuring Anthony Modeste's first goal for Borussia. Yeah, and every, every game feels meaningful for Dortmund at the moment for, for differing reasons. Last week, they lost 3-2 against Werder with those uh, crazy three goals in the last three minutes. And it seemed to underline all the stereotypes, all the cliches, all the sort of the hot takes about Dortmund, lack of mental resilience, midfield to week, etc. This week, they edge out this, or the eke out, sorry, this, this 1-0 win. Not playing all that well, but they could have had more goals. Jude Bellingham missed, missed about three sitters. But they played like a serious team. They played maturely. They defended really well. There was a, a sort of collective commitment to hard work, which you don't always see from all the Dortmund players. And most importantly, as you said, Anthony Modest, the guy who's been signed to deputized for Sebastian Aller, scored his first goal and it came from across from Sally Ostchan, who's uh, important for Dortmund. He's a midfielder who immediately made his presence felt in his first start of the season, uh, very, very strong defensively. And also it, it really helped, I think, Edin Terzic because he had seen what went wrong, especially with Modest being so isolated against Werder and worked really hard on, on feeding him, uh, feeding the former Billy Goat, as it were, in the box and getting getting results uh, that way. So a win in many different ways for this BFLB team, but also a win for Marco Richter, who we should also mention. You know, Sebastian Haller is, is of course, missing because of his testicular cancer treatment. Marco Richter was diagnosed with testicular cancer 47 days ago, and he managed to come back. Uh, and was brought on to standing ovations at the uh, Olympic Stadium, nearly scored a goal for Hertha as well, and was then celebrated in front of the Hertha Ultras, who don't have a lot of reasons to celebrate, and there were a lot of tearful eyes in, in the stadium. So a nice story, but we should also say that his his cancer was found a lot earlier, so it doesn't come with chemo, etc. Which, which, luckily for him, he was able to come back quite quickly. With with Sebastianella, unfortunately, it'll take a little bit longer. Mm. Uh, what else would you like to pull out from this Bundesliga weekend, uh, Rafa? Would it be RB Leipzig getting their first victory? Would it be Callum Hudson Odoi turning up at Bayer Leverkusen? Yeah, Callum Hudson Odoi turning up at Bayer Leverkusen is really interesting development. He was a player that uh, was linked with Dortmund, but that link wasn't didn't really emanate from Dortmund themselves. They distanced themselves quite quickly. Uh, Leverkusen have a habit of 
picking up players uh, from the Premier League, which they find are maybe undervalued or out of luck a little bit, hasn't always worked. Uh, this one could be could be really interesting because they're in the Champions League and perhaps more importantly, um, with an immediate in an immediate sense, is that they've managed to win their first game of the season, three uh, 0 at Mainz, where things for once sort of went for them. They got the breaks. It was a very hard fought game. But they scored with a lucky goal and then they could play their counter-attacking football where Moussa Diaby and Jeremy Frimpong are so good when they can combine. And I think now in Hudson Odell they have another really fast player up front. So I think it'd be really interesting to see both for them and for Hudson Odell what will happen if he gets an extended run at a team playing at this level, especially with the Champions League coming up. Um, it could be quite quite pivotal, I think, a season for him and uh, hopefully for Leverkusen as well. Mm. By Leverkusen, who are in a group with Atletico Madrid and Porto and the team they'll be facing next week, Club Bruges. That's on Wednesday. I can't believe they've chosen Hudson Odoi over Cristiano. It's, you know, with Cristiano's mm. desire I'm to go I'm not sure that Champions Cristiano was ever offered to Leverkusen. I yeah. mean, it would have had something very romantic about it, uh, Cristiano turning out for Leverkusen. Well, we still got a couple of days we left. Still got a couple of days, yeah. Excellent. Next up, got lots more to talk about, including what's happened to Ricky Puch and Deli Ali's debut for Besiktas. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. 
Holster battles. Pooch takes it down. Early ball, and it's a beautiful one. Chicharito's in. Chance to make it two, and he does. The two star names for the LA Galaxy go intergalactic. And What's happened to Ricky Pooch, Alvaro? Well, Ricky Putz gave an excellent assist in his game with LA Galaxy. I really hope, or I really, I really wish, uh, to be correct, that he had done something alike in La Liga. But unfortunately, all the expectations that there were around this guy, he never fulfilled them. But the assist is sensational because it's a diagonal pass that beats easily three, four players. I don't know if the defense was uh, very correctly positioned, but I don't want to be here um, a grumpy man. I think the assist should prevail over all the possible defensive mistakes. It was beautiful, yeah. All right, OK, that was LA Galaxy enjoying a 2-1 victory on the road over the New England Revolution. The other LA team, LAFC, with Gareth Bale in their ranks, currently top in the West. Over in the East, Wayne Rooney's DC, United, a bottom. A couple of places above them are Toronto, who had a 2-0 win at Charlotte. That's right, I'm all up in this MLS right now. <laughs> uh, that 2-0 win featuring James Horncastle. Goal and assist, assist and goal from Insigne and Bernadeschi. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Bernadeschi's post-match interviews here, must watch. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. It is very good. Well done. And come on, GFC. Come on. Come on. Certainly Such is. a sweet, pure innocence about him. Um, I, 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 yeah, I've always liked uh, Federico. He's, he's the. If the hashtag good vibes uh, hmm. was, uh, had a personification, it would be Bernadeschi. Certainly okay. in Toronto. I'm not sure what hashtag Deli Ali would be personifying these days, but he started for Besiktas, his new side, on Wednesday night in their game against Sivaspor, in which he did this. Jules. Oh, the nutmeg is beautiful. Outside of his right foot, on you know, in the step. It was it was perfect. The, the rest of the move is not so good, but you know, although he got a good free kick, but yeah, it was it's good to for him to show both on his first on his first game. The the petit pont, Jules showing pont. appreciation for the petit pont. I wonder Always. what Turk, the, the Turkish is for a uh, nutmeg. That's uh-huh. true, listeners. Mm. Help us out. Let us know. Yeah. Mm. In the meantime, it was a three 0 win for Besiktas. Vote Vekos, who started up front. On the score sheet. Excellent. Now, let's hear about La Liga. Uh, Only three teams in the top five European leagues have 100% winning records. Arsenal are one. The other two are in La Liga. And, ooh, Alvaro, they clash next weekend in Spain. I'm talking about Real Madrid and Real Betis. Yeah, Betis is having a very good start of the season, actually. Mm, They still have to register two more players. We were talking about this. Last week, uh, they have managed to register a few more, but still Claudio Bravo and William Jose, one of the uh, main signings of the seasons, have been unregistered. And yet, uh, Betis has managed to win three games and Real Madrid as well. I think that um, as well as I can talk, speak about uh, Robert Lewandowski because he has scored four goals, 
I think that they have to make a, a mention to Borja Iglesias because he's the top, the joint top scorer of La Liga with four goals as well. And one of his goals was key the other day in the win uh, for Betis at home, 1-0 against Osasuna. It's a team with a great manager. They know what they are doing and they they always dominate their games unless they are playing maybe against sides like Barcelona against or against Real Madrid. And they'll be facing uh, Real Madrid at Santiago Bernabéu uh, next uh, week, uh, next weekend. Let's see how Real Madrid plays at home because... Uh, they have won away all their three games because Santiago Bernabeu is under some works because uh, Florentino Pérez wants to make like a huge renovation of the ground and in August Real Madrid has played away all the games. So this is going to be a good presentation for Real Madrid next weekend against Betis at home against the team that is uh, top of the table with them and Real Madrid is winning I wouldn't say comfortably all the games because they suffer a little bit against Almería. They suffer especially against Espanyol in the weekend. Espanyol was very aggressive, uh, very offensive. And Real Madrid uh, for 60-70 minutes uh, was basically match in terms of uh, quality, I would say, as well. But then in the last 20 minutes of the game, um, Carlo Ancelotti made the difference with the substitutions, uh, the players that came in like Rodrigo, Camavinga, Hatanek, instant impact. And Real Madrid won... Uh, 1-3 against Espanyol. It was a good victory for them. And as you said, James, uh, they have won the last uh, four games or last uh, four official games because they also won the European Super Cup. So everything mm. is good at Real Madrid so far. All right. Karim Benzema with a brace in that game. The second of them coming from a direct free kick, which is quite a rarity. It is such a rarity that he didn't score a free kick, I was going to say, since 2008. That was his last ever free kick goal, 2008, when he played for Olympique Lyon. Uh, he was uh, still very young. And uh, the goalkeeper of Espanyol at that time, it wasn't Lecomte, uh, Espanyol's goalkeeper, because he had been sent off. So Cabrera was in goal, uh, an outfield player of Espanyol, and Karim Benzema scored a pretty easy free kick. But anyway, you have to score it. So full praise to him. And uh, the society with uh, Vinicius is working very well uh, still. Vinicius scored uh, another goal for Real Madrid after a beautiful pass from Chouameni. And uh, Benzema and Vinicius, again, whenever they connected, they managed to, to generate a lot of offensive actions for Real Madrid. Magnificent. All right. Well, Betis go to the Bernabeu. Real to real. Well, real to real, I guess you'd call that, uh, next weekend. Meanwhile, two points behind those two are Barcelona, Athletic Club de Bilbao, and Villarreal, Barcelona, who were 4-0 winners, as you mentioned earlier, against Real Valladolid, with Lewandowski with that brace. And then Monday night saw Atletico Madrid taking on Valencia. A 1-0 victory for Atleti, with Antoine Griezmann the difference. Antoine coming on after the hour again. Yeah. Why, Alvaro? Well, because uh, Antoine Griezmann, basically, uh, if he plays over... He's on loan from Barcelona to Atletico de Madrid. And if he plays over the 50% of the games that he's available for, I mean, not injured for the game, um, and uh, playing a game means playing 45 minutes or more per game, then Atletico will have to pay Barcelona 40 million and buy the player. So last season, Antoine Griezmann played the 80% of the games he was available for. So Atletico is not using him uh, for 45 minutes or more so far this season. So basically Antoine Griezmann is always coming in after the the hour mark in the game, but he's still making the difference. Let's see how this rolls out. I'm very curious because as soon as Mateus Cunha or Almano Morata are not available or Correa, mm. uh, then Antoine Griezmann will have to start. And uh, if he keeps on scoring goals, yesterday's one was a bit lucky, by the way, against Valencia. But if he keeps on scoring, well... 
I think that Diego Pablo Simeone will have to play him because uh, Simeone right now, when he doesn't play Griezmann, you can really tell that he's following clubs' orders. Uh, but, you know, ideally for him, uh, the best possible thing would be to, to play Antoine Griezmann. Right, well, a, a compulsory clause to buy Griezmann based on the percentage of games that he plays 30 minutes or more in for Atleti. Uh, Rafa? What happens next in sort of an injury time? Does that count? Mm. If he comes on in the 62nd minutes and they play 94, 95 minutes? Yeah, Don't that's know. a very good question. I also wonder that. I think that it means official time. So basically a game is 90 minutes, 45 plus 45. But uh, I cannot give you a 100% answer on that. Yeah, I don't mm. Gattuso, let me offer, is the 15th different Valencia manager that Diego Simeone has faced since becoming Atletico de Madrid boss. Gattuso, who will now be counting Edson Cavani among his charges. That's an exciting signing yes. at the Mestalla. It is an exciting signing, yes, and a very needed one as well, James, because uh, Valencia has been dismantled over the last years very badly. From the team that won the cup in 2019 with Marcelino as a manager, Matteo Alemani now at Barcelona as a sporting director, and um, all the players that uh, you all remember, like, for example, uh, Parejo playing, uh, playing in the team, for example, uh, Gaia, Soler, Ferran Torres, well, all that team that... Uh, qualified for the Champions League as well, has been dismantled very badly by Valencia's ownership and uh, basically not cashing a lot of money for these players. So having an arrival like Edinson Cavani to Valencia is good. I watched the game against Atletico de Madrid and Valencia dominated. In the first half, they were very good and uh, they pushed Atletico de Madrid backwards. Uh, Jano Black, sometimes he was nervous. I think that Atletico was trying to take on the storm as best as they could, but then they end up winning because they've got firepower up front and Valencia didn't have any. So Edinson Cavani, who has been training basically with his uh, personal trainer in a, ho in a hotel, uh, waiting for his signing to be activated and be done, well, if he's sharp and he gives an immediate impact, fantastic for Valencia because and really they don't have a very good score right now. Maxi Gomez, the other Uruguayan player of the squad, is set to leave uh, to the Turkish League and the truth is that Maxi Gomez last season he scored only four goals. Well, if Edinson Cavani can, can double up that, which I believe he can, then Valencia will be in a better place. Yeah. And he might not play with Carlos Soler because he might be on his way yep. to PSG. So that would be, I think, a bigger loss than the gain that Edinson Cavani could be. Yeah, and uh, that's that's a spot on, and I think that the uh, PSG is doing very clever things uh, with the new sporting director. Always, you know, always PSG doing smart things. <laughs> This is getting even better, you know. Um, Carlos Soler is uh, is a very good midfielder. His set piece ability is fantastic. I know that uh, he wouldn't take any any penalty at PSG, but he's the leader of Valencia. He He's a player who has this energy to go box to box and he's very good on the ball and his price tag basically is pretty cheap. I mean, I'm sure that Valencia will let him go for something between 15 and 25 million. So yeah, it will be a very clever signing by PSG. He has that energy, that solar energy. Mm. All right. Hey, speaking of PSG, let's get the word on Liga next. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Still to come in this Totally Football Show, going to find out a bit more, I hope, about that extraordinary Pogba, Pogba, Mbappé story. Jules, first of all, though, tell us about what happened this weekend for Paris Saint-Germain against Monaco. Monaco side who started the season in rotten form until they visited the Parc des Princes. 
Yeah, they usually do very well against PSG, and, and they did again for at least for the first half because they set up, they they matched the formation from PSG. They they were really aggressive in their press. They they went one v one on the press, which really caused problem to PSG, especially without Vitinha who was suspended. So it was Renato Sanchez first start, and and we saw the difference really without Vitinha and with with Renato instead. And Monaco played well. They just I don't think physically could keep it up in the second half either. There was a few substitutions, a couple of yellow cards as well. And then PSG came back. They hit the woodwork a few times. They could, they could easily have won the game eventually. But we, we can't forget all the, the problems that Monaco caused them, which you could easily think that teams in the Champions League, for example, mm. or certainly bigger teams, could reproduce quite easily because it was far too easy, I thought, for Monaco to just press them so well and get the ball back up so high and, and, and score that goal that was really easy on the counter-attack as well. So, I mean, it's, it's good. I think it's good for Galtier and PSG because it, it makes them keep working on certain things that we kind of knew there could be the weaknesses potentially. But then because they started so well this season, we kind of forgot a, a little bit about it and now they're back because that Monaco game, I think, was a really good warning. In the end, they didn't lose. Neymar scored a penalty. They, there was not such controversy on it because Mbappé kind of gave him the ball. Uh, and allowed him it's, to take it's it. It's an interesting scene because you've got Neymar walking up and Verratti's there and Verratti's kind of looking across to Mbappe, almost like, is it all right if my chum takes this penalty? And then there's a, a kind of imperceptible nod from Mbappe like, you may, and Neymar kind of shuffles past. Yeah, interesting little vignette of their Messi, power dynamic. Messi subbed off after 87th minute and not mm. looking too happy either uh, on the bench. Putting the face like, yeah, I don't know why he did this. Uh, and I thought, I didn't really understand it myself why he took him up because because if there was one player on that pitch, we could have done something special in that game. And Messi was not particularly great in the game overall, but at times you could see that on the acceleration or on something a bit special, he made, he made a difference. So, yeah, I'm, I was not too chuffed either. I see, Jules. PSG now sharing the lead in Ligue 1, four games in, with Marseille and Lens. As you mentioned, Champions League coming their way very rapidly. They'll be taking on Juventus in a week's time. Benfica and Maccabi Haifa, the other two teams in that group. Ooh, sharing the lead at the top of Ligue 1 with Marseille and Lens. Talk about Marseille in a second, but Lens, Jules, what's going on there? Incredible. They continue their, their really good form. They finished seventh in the last two seasons. Frank Hayes is doing a great job and they, they lost a couple of players like Ducouré who went to Crystal Palace who was very, very important for them. But they, their recruitment and the work that their sporting director uh, Gislofi is doing is really good. So they, their replacement have been good. I mean, I think a lot of the season, even now, I know it's early, but will rely on if Seko Fofana, the captain, stays or leaves. And he has offers and he's still undecided. There's, there's a few days to go, as we've been saying. If he leaves, it's a huge loss. And I... I it's not the same ambitions. If he stays and see the form, the goal that he scored with the stepovers and then the the way he hit the ball on the edge of the box in the top corner was amazing. If he stays, then they they could easily be a top six top six finish because they they're that good. They collectively they've been playing together for a few years now, always in the same formation, the three four three that works so well. They've got more depth in the squad, which I think last season sort of troubled them a little bit that they didn't have enough depth. Now they have the depth because they invested well. So it's, it's very exciting and their fans are, are amazing. That atmosphere on, on Saturday was something else. Brilliant. They, nice. thrashed, they thrashed Monaco 4-1 last weekend. This time around, it was a 2-1 victory over Rennes. 
Marseille, meanwhile, had a big win in the Provençal derby, doing Nice 3-0. Two goals for Alexis Sanchez. 3-0 pour l'Olympique de Marseille, Alexis Sanchez! Le doublé pour El Nino Maravilla. And Nuno Tavares getting his third in four league matches. Ooh, former Arsenal players. Well, still Arsenal player because he's, uh, he's on loan to Marseille, wow. turning into Roberto Carlos. Uh, just amazing. I mean, they played so well. We said before, I don't believe in Favre and Favre's project. I, I think Nice have been terrible. They, they've, they've just crapped through to go into the Europa, League, uh, the Europa Conference League just about because Beka Beka scored an amazing goal. But it's, it's so poor. Everything they do with the ball is, is terrible. And now they're going to lose Guiri too. So... It was it was an easy win for Marseille, but they still had to go and get it away from home. But Alexis was was fantastic. He really was good, and I can't wait for the Alexis Sanchez Tottenham reunion mm. because that could be pretty special as well. Yeah, that's coming up next week, Jules. Yeah, it's going to be wow. very good. Wow. Where's Query going, Jules? I could go to. I mean, Juventus have been the the latest team to kind of inquire. Although I think. I don't know if they've got that money after spending 15 million on, on Paredes. Although I don't think Nice are aiming too high for Guiri, which I'm a bit surprised. Um, but Rennes are currently the so the lead, leading candidate. They're trying to do maybe a swap with Laborde or, or just or just put the cash in. Uh, Guiri has, has, hasn't scored since March, I think. His last goal was, was in March. He's struggling for confidence. He doesn't want to play wide. He doesn't get on with Favre either. But he's a very talented kid, there's no doubt. So it'd be interesting to see where he decides to go. Okay. You've got a midweek round in, in France as well, Jules? Uh, no, I don't, yeah. I think. Do I you do? Okay. I think you do. Okay. This just in. Midweek yeah, round I do, of yeah, France. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an English of Arc in Germany learn. as well? I learned so much or on this show, no. it's incredible. No. A couple of cup games in Germany. Bayern oh, and yeah. Leipzig have cup games. Okay. Just one last word on uh, Benoit Costil, the Auxerre goalkeeper, because they won okay. at the weekend. And not just they won, he didn't concede a goal, which was the first time in 30 games in a row. After 30 games in a row, always conceding at least once. He didn't this time. So we thought at some point it's going to be the record of Memo Echa, who stayed 33 games in a row with always conceding at least one. But Costil was, you know, just stopped short. He's like the Akin Five of... Uh... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Is that Kim Fire still playing? playing? Probably. I hope not. But I not in fave. I can fave, yeah. I can't save. Hmm. All right. Next up, let's conclude today's Totally Football Show with the Pogba business. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, Jules and James and anybody else who knows what's going on, here's what we're hearing. Paul Pogba has told authorities he's been subjected to an attempted 13 million euro blackmail by a gang who trapped him, hooded men with assault rifles, trapped him during an incident in Paris, sequestered him, demanded 13 million from him. When they turned up in Turin at Juve's training ground, he recognised his own brother, Matthias, among the, among the group. Is this correct so far, Jules? Yes, it is. OK. It is. Uh, 13 million... He says they are demanding for services rendered over the last decade. Matthias himself has gone on social media saying that Paul wants to send him to prison because Paul's trying to cover up the fact that he ordered a, and I think I should put this in quotation marks, so-called Muslim witch doctor to cast a spell on Kylian Mbappe. 
Kylian Mbappe and his entourage, we read, are keeping a close eye on the story. If video evidence emerges of Pogba using a witch doctor to curse Mbappe, says Lequeep, Deschamps may have may have a decision to make. <laughs> What's Jules? It's a French football for you. I'm, I'm amazed there's no sex involved somewhere. You know, I mean, there might be. Where's Benzema? Exactly. Uh, money, organised crime, threats by his own brother. I mean, this is something else. Uh, we'd heard a few weeks ago some rumours that there were tensions within the Pogba family, that Deschamps was aware of it, that things were a bit weird. But I never thought that my Saturday night and Sunday would be like rocked by this old story. Uh, there's another one um, that one of the childhood friends. So this this organized gang is basically some 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 guys who grew up with Paul in their council estate in the, his, the east of Paris. Uh, we'd heard one of them that used to come and, and live with Paul quite a lot, like a lot of footballers do. Uh, stole 200,000 euros from him from one of his bank cards one day. So this is the kind of stuff that Paul went to the police for. The guy stealing money off his bank account, the guy requesting the 30 million payment for protection that Paul said he never asked for and never even needed needed to get anywhere. There's the, the witchcraft with Mbappe is really the the, the most incredible in, incredible bit, of course. And Paul denies it completely, said this is not true. Mathias says that he's got a video and that he's going to go to this very famous French talk show uh, on television uh, where he's going to reveal it all, which will... Is that even... tonight with Julien Laurence? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I don't do controversy and scandals like that on my shows. Mm. So this wait, is uh, wait, another Which show one. is it, Jules? And when, when would he be going on? So it's called Touche pas à mon poste. It's, don't uh, touch my post. As in my post, as in my TV, my post de television, we used to say in the old days in okay. France. So like your right. TV... Your Aerial. TV screens or it's more it's more your tv itself oh. that I wish post television uh with a guy called um anuna who is one of the like, the big presenters in france and has a really really i mean his shows are i yeah are like not, not good shows to watch but they're very popular mm. um so he might go on that to to reveal everything that he knows and they say we change all our perception of paul pogba and and the respect and admiration we have from him why would he be looking to use some kind of nefarious things against Kylian Mbappe? Um, what you mean, why, why would Paul want to yeah, cast why a would, curse on Why Mbappe? would Paul Pogba be I looking to use such a, such services against Kylian Mbappe? Is there, is there a long-standing beef between them? No, no, no I'm not that I know, not that I know of. Um, they might not be the closest friends, as in like, you know, go on holidays together. Uh-huh. But I, I've always told and I saw... I always, I've always seen them together getting on well. Maybe that was just uh, publicly and then in private they had a few arguments uh, and things like that. But I never heard and I don't think anybody in France heard stories of Pogba hating on Mbappe or the other way around or they, there was like some sort of fight for leadership in the national team or anything like that at all. So that, that one really comes as a, as a big surprise. Um, I know that Pogba... He's very close to Antoine Griezmann, and we know that of time maybe Griezmann and Mbappe haven't always seen eye to eye, but that that can't be enough to go and, and try witchcraft on Mbappe and, and and you know cursing him or stuff like that. Well, one of the most extraordinary things about this story is, is the way that it's all suddenly broken at once. So even the part about Pogba getting kidnapped by hooded men with assault rifles, you feel that maybe could have made a headline or two 
before now, no? Yeah, so when when did that actually take place? That was in March. It was not. In March. It was not kidnapped. Yeah, in March for the last the international break when he went to Paris for when his his actually Matthias set up like a, a foundation and and Paul went to it although quite late, uh, but still went there, showed his face to to support the foundation that the charity that his brothers just set up, uh, and that's when he was not kidnapped, but there was a meeting and he went to a meeting where yeah where the reception was maybe not what he expected. But he's gone to the police a month ago. So what I find the most surprising is for a month, both in Italy and in France, that was kept quiet. Usually those stories leaked quite quickly. Uh, but that was kept quiet until, until Saturday night and the video of Matthias Pogba and then the response via a statement from Paul on the, the Sunday morning. Rafaela Pimienta, who is his agent now and, and Minerarola's former lawyer, is also involved in the revelation that Matthias Pogba is threatening to, 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 to do and that he's got stuff against her as well. So that's another layer to, to the whole story. Wow. When everything is said, people will see that there is no bigger coward, bigger traitor, bigger hypocrite than you on this earth. This is Mateus about Killian. Uh, Just Killian, one last thing, you... sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the police are saying that there's not much into the, the whole story. From, oh. from, from the investigation so far, they, they said that it's, it's very low, low level of intimidation or attempt to extort and things like that. It's pretty amateurish from what I was told. So. Okay. Still, still uh, crazy, remarkable. Yeah. Mm. Well, Jules, that is remarkable. We look forward to hearing what happens on Touche Par Mon Post. But for the moment, I guess that's where we'll have to leave that story. Intriguing though it is. That's it for today's Tully Football Show. We return next Tuesday. We'll be previewing all the Champions League action. Ooh. Oh. Very good. Jules, Alvaro, James, Rafa, producer Charlie, and you, listener. Many thanks for being with us today. We'll catch up with you soon somewhere. In the meantime, have yourself a great time. And from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.